We do serve a great God. Amen, church? He is a great, great God. Well, hey guys, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Look at the person next to you and say Happy New Year. Look at the person next to you and say, I haven't seen you since last year. Thanks, Josh, for that. Appreciate, appreciate that. Happy New Year. I don't know what you were doing last night. I don't know if you were more excited about bringing in the new year or seeing Georgia beat Ohio State. (laughs) Guys, I resisted a long time. I grew up a Gator. I went to Georgia Tech, but I will root for Georgia now. So eventually it all wears off. There you go. You know, last week, uh, you know, over Christmas uh, in the Massey household, we had a good family devotional uh, on Sunday. And, you know, we took different terms acting out Camden being baby Jesus or Caleb being baby Jesus. And then we made, you know, from the family devotional, the laundry basket, like rescuing the different, you know, the different things out. I I hope your Sunday was special for you and how you worship Jesus. And I hope you got a healthy amount of family drama. Not too much, but just the... See you next time. That was good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I hope you got the healthy amounts. But it's the new year. And uh, who here are New Year's resolutions people? Like, who's that's like your thing? You know what I'm saying? A few. Not many. All right, well, there you go. I, I was going to say, who's already given up on your New Year's resolution? But I guess you decided not to make one. <laughs> Um, you know, for me, I had the same New Year's resolution from when I was 15 to when I was 20. And it was to dunk a basketball. You know, my dad is 6'4", and I just knew this, every year I just knew this is the year my growth spurt's coming. And, and I was going to work on my vertical, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so every year, you know, I just try, I just try. And then finally the day came when I was 20 years old in the Georgia Tech gym. I had my J's on, and I went up, and then I, you know, I took flights. And at that moment, I knew I needed a New Year's res- a different New Year's resolution. <laughs> that, that was never happening. <laughs> but guys, I don't know where you're at, if you like New Year's resolutions or not. But the, the great thing about the new year is it's a time to reevaluate. It's a time to evaluate, man, where am I at in my life and where am I going? And as a church, we want to lean into that together. And we're starting a new series today that I, we really believe, we're excited about, we're praying that it will not only take us to where we want us to go, but it will take us to where God wants us to be together as a community. So our theme is based off the central theme of Jesus' teachings. It's from the core of Jesus' teachings. And if you just take it, I want you to think about it. If you were going to say, what do you think the core or the central theme of everything Jesus said was? Like, what would you say? What would it be? You know, maybe for some of us, we might say it's love, or we might say it's discipleship, or we might say it's prayer, or we might say it's money, or maybe you even say it's personal salvation. I don't know what you would say the central core of Jesus' teachings are, but believe it or not, it's none of those things. All those things are important, all those things are needed, all those things are part of this one central core, but this, none of those things, as great as they are, are the core of Jesus' teachings. At the core, the central theme is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is what Jesus' teachings are all about. 
In fact, if you just do a brief survey of everything Jesus said, he starts out by saying, repent for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come near. When he talks about what do you need to seek first, he says, man, it's the kingdom that you seek first above all else. When he teaches us to pray, what in his very short, like eight, ten line prayer does he give? Well, what the center of it is, let your kingdom come. You know, he gives so many parables throughout all of his teachings. And yet in Matthew 13, kind of like the mother load of Jesus' parables, eight of them are about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like. And then when Jesus says the whole point of his message, the whole point that needs to happen before the end of times to come, well, what does he say needs to happen before the end of times? Well, the gospel of the kingdom needs to be preached. Yes, throughout all four Gospels, the kingdom is talked about 119 times. It is the core, it is the center, it is the main message of Jesus Christ, is the kingdom of God. Amen? So this, my friends, is what we're focusing on in our new series. And I'm flat fired up about it, all right? The the title of the series is In Atlanta As It Is In Heaven. We're so excited about this. Our very own Josh Brown, who just sang for us, made this graphic for us. Thanks, Josh. He's multi-talented. He's already getting married in a couple weeks. Sorry, ladies. You can't have him. But, you know, he's, he's awesome, right? But In Atlanta As It Is In Heaven. And so this is today and next week is our introduction to the kingdom, and then we're going to spend a big chunk on the Sermon on the Mount, but this whole lesson is an introduction, so we'll get to that. But we are excited for this together. Flip over in your Bibles to Matthew 13 with me. So today, uh, we're going to have three points, and it's all about what the kingdom of God is. So we're going to talk about how the kingdom of God is a treasure, How the kingdom of God is life in the age to come. And how the kingdom of God is under the good, pleasing, and perfect will of the Father. So we're starting right here on the kingdom of God is a treasure. It's a treasure. And this is where I want to start as we think about the kingdom. You know, as humans, we are all about adding value and worth to our lives. If you think about it, we devote our entire lives to it. We want to have valuable friendships and relationships. We spend our time building our families to bring valuable, meaningful relationships into our family and to grow that. At work, we try to bring the world value, or sometimes we try to get worth or value from our works. In our Western society, we are obsessed with how valuable our possessions are. You know, is my car more valuable than his car? And then how does my house value compared to, we're just so obsessed with value. And in the beginning here of the year, I actually want us to lean into that for a minute, this concept of value. And I want to encourage you to make this year about the thing that is more valuable than anything else of all time, the kingdom of God. Check out this in Matthew 13. And verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a what? Treasure. Hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. All right, the short little parable is so powerful. Okay, starting out, Jesus is trying to introduce the world to his kingdom. And when he's trying to think of a word, When he's starting to think of an image, what image does he decide to start with? 
He said, above all else, on the big picture, before I even kind of get to the nitty gritty, I just want you to know one thing about the kingdom. It's a treasure. How awesome is that? That the kingdom is just so valuable that it's a treasure. But okay, so this man, he finds a treasure in a field. He gets so excited, I got to get the treasure, which means I need the field. So he runs over, he sells everything that he has, and then he comes back and he buys the field in order to get the treasure. It's a simple parable, right? But a question is drawn from it that I think is so important. If the man was willing to sell everything he had in order to buy that field, how valuable must the kingdom be? Like, just think about it. If you, like, practically speaking, how valuable would something have to be for you to sell everything that you have? Just house, I don't need any more. Sold. Okay, cars, who cares if I got the treasure? Sold. Uh, my Netflix account, my social media, my Hulu account, my Disney Plus account, don't need it. Sold. I'll never use it again. iPhone, who cares? Like, I don't need that. Sold. Like, whatever, my retirement, my 401k, if I have the treasure, who needs that? Like, how valuable must the kingdom of God be to be worth everything that we have? It is so valuable. And that's not even the value that all those things would be in the dollar amounts on our bank account, but the value of those things in your hearts. To be willing to give all that up just so you could get the treasure. And then Jesus doesn't just say this man went and sold everything. I love that he included this line. He said, in his joy, he went and sold everything. Advance to the next slide. In his joy. Beautiful. There you go. In his joy, right? I love this. It's not that, well, begrudgingly, I guess I should do this because I'm a Christian. It's not I'm just going to deny myself because technically, if you look at the exact dollar amount, technically it's worth it to make this investment instead. It's not like, I know this is the right thing to do, but my heart's not in it, but man, I just got to push myself and force myself to go sell. It's in his joy. It's in his joy. Maybe, maybe you're new to church and, or, you're, or you haven't been around in a, in a long time to come out to church and you're looking for value and meaning in your life. I want to encourage you this morning, there's nothing more valuable, there's nothing more that can bring you value and meaning in the year 2023 than the kingdom of God. There's nothing more valuable than that. That phrase, in his joy. You know, maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, and you're on the other end, and you are committed to God, but while intellectually you believe these things and you're devoted to learning these things, maybe your heart has lost some of that joy. And you've lost some of that passion. You're still willing to do what's right, but it's starting to become a denial of self or a mundane of the actions. You know, I honestly realized that I found myself in this place about a month ago. And I'm a minister of the word, so there's an intellectual intrigue that the scriptures always have for me that drives me to study it. I am so fascinated intellectually with Jesus of Nazareth. I'm so committed to him. Yet about a month ago, even though I'm devoted to that, I realized that Jesus in the scriptures has stayed up here for a little too long. And that what was going on down here was at a different spot. 
And then I had lost part of that joy and that passion of my salvation and my walk with God and the joy of following Jesus. You know, if you're there today, join me in 2023 to not live that way any longer. Join me in 2023 to say, you know what? I, I don't just want to intellectually follow this guy. I want to be in love with this guy. I want to enjoy being willing to give up everything because I truly know how valuable he truly is. To, to look at this guy to say, in his joy, he sold everything. Man, he's like, I won the lottery. And that lottery is available to us today. Amen, church? So for the next six months, we're focusing on the kingdom of God as a church. The most glorious treasure of all time. And we're going to go on this journey together to rekindle a passion, to rekindle a wonder inside of us about what the kingdom of God is. So if you want your 2023 to be the greatest year of all time, not some get-rich-quick scheme, not some self-health and wealth or some self-help or whatever, take God's way. Embrace the kingdom. Embrace the true treasure. Amen? So that's how valuable it is, but you might be going, hey, but what is it, <laughs> right? So let's go a little bit, let's switch into some teaching here about what the kingdom of God is. Point number two, the kingdom of God, whoops, is the life of the age to come. The kingdom of God is the life of the age to come. You can flip in your Bibles over to John 18 with me. You know, if we take a step back in history to try to understand what the kingdom is, and we go back to the Old Testament, we go back in the Judaism and the way the Jews lived, the Jews had long awaited the kingdom of God. Prophets in the Old Testament, like Isaiah or like Daniel, had prophesied about the incredible time when God would send his spirit and his Messiah to usher in this new age of the kingdom to overthrow the powers of the world and to bring the entire world under the loving reign and rule of Jesus Christ. Most Jews had looked forward to that their entire lives and not experienced it. They were just waiting on the age of the kingdom. And then when the Jews were at one of their most desperate times in their history, having been taken over by Roman rule, in steps Jesus of Nazareth. And there are so many signs in Jesus' life and in his ministry that fulfilled prophecy that would point people to believe that he is the coming Messiah that was going to usher in the kingdom. And yet other people would say, well, there's other things that make us not believe that he's ushering the kingdom and is the Messiah. And this controversy, if you know the, the story of the scriptures and the gospel, built and built and built all the way up into the night Jesus was arrested. And on the night that he was arrested, he was taken to the highest official in the land, Pontius Pilate to be sentenced. And that's what the story that we're jumping into right here in John 18, because Pontius Pilate asks him a question that is so important for our discussion today. Pilate then went back inside the palace and he summoned Jesus and he asked him, are you the king? Are you the king of the Jews? And that's the question the Jews have been looking forward to forever. John is, throughout his gospel, is trying to take us to the moment. As the readers, we should be sitting on the edge of our seats. Has the Messiah finally come? Has the king that's going to usher in the new age finally come to bring in the kingdom? And then Jesus responds to him with, okay, all right, I'm going all over the place. Next slide, please. 
Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And then Pilate said, you are a king then. See, Pilate thought he could slot Jesus into categories that everyone else had ever been put into. He assumed Jesus was just another revolutionary that was trying to establish a new kingdom based off of ethnicity or culture or political power or geography or resources or all the above. And yet the kingdom of Jesus cannot be defined by any of those worldly categories. Jesus was starting a kingdom that the world had never seen or imagined. And his kingdom was going to be different than all others. It is built entirely off the wisdom of God. Now, this interaction might seem interesting to you where Pilate goes, are you a king? And then Jesus responds with talking about a kingdom. It's like, did he actually answer the question? But in fact, he did, because in the ancient world, while there's a bunch of different kingdoms across the planet, on every single one of them, a kingdom meant one central thing. A king, a kingdom meant the dominion and rule of a king. And so when, Ponte, when Pilate asked, are you a king? And then Jesus responds with my kingdom. Pontus goes, well, you are a king then, because if you have a kingdom, you must be the king of that kingdom. Are you following? Because the kingdom is all about the king. In fact, you could say kingdom without king is just dumb. <laughs> Dude, they laughed, Toya. She told me they wouldn't laugh. That was, <laughs> that was a good dad joke. I appreciate that. I, I'm telling you, there's about six people last night that said that was not funny. <laughs> but the kingdom's all about the king, right? And, and ever since this conversation that Jesus had with Pilate, people have been talking about this king, about King Jesus. In fact, people are still writing songs and albums about it. Kanye West, Jesus is king, closed on Sundays. You're my Chick-fil-A. And campus, everyone knew that line. I'll teach you guys later. That's all right. But everyone's about the king. So what is the, what is the king? What does that mean in the kingdom of God, though? What is the kingdom? When we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about the rule and reign of King Jesus. A definition of the kingdom that I love is the kingdom of God is everyone and everything that submits to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, of King Jesus. It's everyone and everything that submits to the rule and reign of King Jesus. Put another way, the kingdom of God then is the reign of God lived out in the lives of his community of people. I think for a lot of us, when we hear that kind of definition of the king, of the kingdom, that might not quite be what we've grown up with or what we think of when we think about kingdom. And so I want to lean into that for a moment. Is that all right with you guys? What are some of the things that come into our minds when we hear the kingdom of God or life, eternal life in the kingdom of heaven? What are some of the things that pop into our mind? Well, I think for a bunch of us, when we hear eternal life in the kingdom of heaven, like when the kingdom of God is referenced, a lot of us immediately jump to, well, that's life after death. That's that everlasting life in heaven. You know what I'm saying? And while that's true, if this is our only definition of eternal life in the kingdom of heaven, then it greatly reduces its meaning. So let's lean into this for a second. So in the scriptures, whenever John references eternal life, you know, when Jesus says, I've come to bring eternal life and things like that. Next slide, please. 
He's using uh, this, this Greek uh, phrase, zoe aenios. Zoe aenios. So zoe, we've done a study on back in the fall. Uh, you know, that zoe is what? Life, right? You want that zoe life, right? And then aenios uh, usually is translated eternal. But a, a more direct translation is everlasting age or the age to come. So you put it together, when you read eternal life in the Gospels or in the New Testament, you're reading life of the coming age. And so this gives it a whole new meaning because many Jews were waiting for eternal life to come. They were, they were waiting for this age to end and then heaven, the age of the kingdom of God, to start. And yet what we see here is when Jesus says, I am life, I've come to bring eternal life, then I, I, I have come to bring life to the full and to give you life. Well, he's saying that this present age doesn't have to end for that life to start. He's saying on this present age, this eternal life comes crashing into the middle and is made available in the present age. The life of the age to come is available now. And that's the good news of the kingdom of God. The mind-boggling idea of the Gospels is that the life in the age to come didn't come at the end of time. It came in the middle of time. This is huge because we don't have to wait till after we die to live out a heavenly life. It's beautiful. Michael Burns has this quote that I love when he's talking about this Zoeanio sets. It's not just something that we go to when we die. In this case, time moves in the other direction. The future of God's ruling age, the time when the presence of heaven overlaps every part of the universe and fills it, has broken into the present age. God's reign can come now when we obey his will on earth as though it were already in heaven. I love that quote. Okay, so eternal life can start now. Isn't that beautiful? You can, you can look over at your boo and say, I see eternity in you, right? <laughs> So when we hear the kingdom of God, though, <clears throat> what else might we hear? What else might, we, what might pop into our minds? I think for a lot of us, when we hear kingdom, we hear church. And those equal, those are synonymous with each other. Whether we've been taught that or whether we've viewed that at different times. And I just want to have a conversation about that. Maybe a little deconstruction. Is that all right with you guys? Because for a lot of us, when we hear seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, what, what has that meant? Go to church, right? And that's about, that's, that's basic, or, or have a moral behavior for righteousness, right? That's going to be what it boiled, what it's boiled down to. Now, uh, we're, we're going to talk through this. Now, church and kingdom, the church is a part of the kingdom. But again, if that's the only definition, then we greatly reduce the meaning of the kingdom of God. So let's talk about this. The kingdom is the rule and reign of King Jesus, the kingdom is the, cool, the rule and reign of King Jesus. Now his reign is going to be made perfect in life after death, in heaven, when his reign is made complete. Does that make sense? So anything, so that, that is kingdom. Now anything on earth that brings that rule and reign into the present age, that is kingdom. Okay. So in, in one sense, before we talk through that, in one sense, the rule and reign of Jesus does go through all existence. Right, the stars proclaim his name. The mountains shout out his glory. And in fact, the only beings on earth that have been given the option 
to submit to his rule or not are humans. And so if we talk about the will of God lived out in humans, that's really what we're trying to figure out is what does that look like? So when you decide to bring the love that's gonna be in the age to come, when there is no hatred, where it's all love, when you decide to bring that to your neighbor, and when you might see your neighbor, your elderly neighbor raking the, the leaves and you go and you decide to love them and help them, and you have a conversation with them and you look them in the eye and you show them meaning and you help them with what they need, in that moment, you are bringing kingdom to your neighbor. When we come together as a, a community and we praise God on Sunday mornings in the way that we will praise God in heaven, that is kingdom. When we, when we come together and we say, you know what, that moment where I would have been impure, but instead I'm going to bring the purity of the age to come to this moment, that is kingdom. When we sit down and we sit in awe over Jesus in our family groups and we talk about, man, how incredible Jesus is and we're just relishing and worshiping him, that is kingdom. One, one example that I love when it comes to the church and kingdom uh, is that the church is an embassy of the kingdom of God. Okay, so if I went to England tomorrow and then, and then when I'm, on, I'm in England, I'm, in foreign ter- I'm a foreigner on foreign territory, right? But then if I go to the U.S. Embassy and as soon as I cross the threshold, I've crossed into U.S. territory. And now I'm under the law and jurisdiction of the kingdom of the U.S. So even though I'm in a foreign land in Europe, in England, I am now in an embassy that is part of another kingdom. And so the same is true for us. We are in the dominion of this world. And yet the church is an embassy of the kingdom of God. So when we come here, even though we're on the territory of the dominions of this world that follow a different pattern, a different teaching, a different will than the will of the Father, when we are with one another, we are under a different law and jurisdiction. We are under the law and jurisdiction, the rule and the reign of King Jesus. But it is that rule and reign that defines the kingdom, not just church. Does that make sense? So seek first his kingdom, and seek first the rule and reign of King Jesus. Now, that might lead you to community, that might lead you to church, but those are byproducts of the rule and reign. In the same way that if you seek the rule and reign of God, you will find yourself in eternal life after death, but that's a byproduct of the beautiful will of the Father, of the kingdom of God. You guys following me? God's eternal kingdom came crashing into the present age in Jesus. When we enter the life of Christ in our baptism, we enter the age to come. We don't have to wait until after we die. We can start to anticipate and to live the life of the coming age right now. And that doesn't mean the resurrection has fully come, but we can start to live this very different life with totally different values in this present age. And that, my friends, is kingdom. Amen? Okay, let's do our last point briefly. All right, so the kingdom of God, last point is, sorry, the kingdom of God is under the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So it's a treasure, it's the life of the coming age, and it's under the good, pleasing, and perfect will of the Father. You can flip to Matthew 6 with me. Uh, this is where the title of our series comes from, is this prayer in Matthew 6. So when, Jesus, when the, his disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, he gives them this prayer. This is the first half of the prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? What we're reading right here in these last three lines is actually Hebrew parallelism, meaning that you make a statement and then you repeat the same exact statement, but you're expounding on the initial meaning to gain further understanding. So the first is your kingdom come. That's the first statement. Now, the second statement is the same thing as the first statement, except it's, it's giving us deeper meaning. So how does God's kingdom come? Well, it's by his will, the will that's going to be complete in the age to come, bringing that into the earth now. It's his will coming in now is how we bring in the kingdom. And this is where the title of our series comes from because we live in the Atlanta or the Atlanta metro area, right? Okay, but well, we're not going to say in the Atlanta metro area as it is in heaven. That's, that sounds weird, all right? But in Atlanta as it is in heaven, where the goal of this series is to bring the kingdom of God crashing into your neighborhood. The goal of this series is to bring the will of the Father crashing into your workplace. The goal of this series is to bring the, the age to come crashing into the present age and for us to experience this glorious will of the Father together. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. So how we're going to do this, this week and next week, we're talking about the kingdom. And then for the next five and a half months, David Fields just went, oh. <laughs> the next five and a half months, we're going, we're going to spend it on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to go section by section, not missing a line, saying, what is the will of the Father? The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' manifesto. It's what the will of the Father. What will heaven look like? And we have this insight, this window into heaven. We're going to bring that into this age by following the will of the Father in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to spend five and a half months on it. It's going to be really exciting. And here's where I want to close and how great the will of the Father is. I want to remind you of this passage in Romans 12, where at the end right there, it says, then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good is pleasing in his perfect will. So when we're saying your kingdom come, your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my neighborhood as it is in heaven. Your will be done in Atlanta as it is in heaven. We're saying the good, pleasing, and perfect will. I just want you to imagine for a second if you embrace this will this year in a way you never have. Think of all the evil, the bad in your life. The moments where there's darkness and loneliness in your relationships, hatred between friendships, and purity that you can't seem to get over. Imagine with me if you embrace God's good will. And in 2023, your life became good because the will of the Father. Imagine if you embrace God's pleasing will. When you, when you, when you look at your life and you feel a deep meaning and true value, you feel secure and confident because you know the Father is pleased with you in his kingdom. Imagine if you looked at your life and you said, my life is pleasing because of the will of the Father. Imagine if you embrace his perfect will, where no matter what the naysayers said around you, no matter what they said about the path you took, you were confident every single time whenever anyone questioned you because you knew you were on his perfect path. Imagine if your 2023 was defined by God's good, pleasing, and perfect year. Perfect year. Perfect will. Isn't that a year that you want? It's a year we want together as community. I, I want to ask you guys to dream about what 2023 can look like in your life, in your family's life, in your family group's life, if, if, as we all embrace the will of the Father together. It's going to be the greatest year we've ever had. 
because it's the year that we're living out the kingdom of God. So how to make the most of this series before we shift into communion. Uh, next slide. How to make the most of this series. I just want to encourage you to study out the Sermon on the Mount. Read, meditate, memorize parts of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, use our lesson-based family group discussions in your family groups. So every Sunday we'll be talking about a different passage in the Sermon on the Mount. Talk about it during the week with your family group. Those are going to start on the 15th. That's when we're going to actually start looking through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, get a book about the Sermon on the Mount. Michael Burns has a couple really good ones. Tom Jones has some good ones. We'll kind of give some of those ideas out there. But take, get a book to go deeper. Listen to awesome podcast to help you understand deeper meanings on the Sermon on the Mount. We want to invite you to embrace this. Invite you to let the Sermon on the Mount define your 2023 and let us go about this together as the community of God, as, as people that have submitted to the reign of God to bring his kingdom on earth. Amen. So what we're going to do in a second is that we're going to have communion. And here at the beginning of the year, as we take the bread that represents the body of Christ, as we take the juice that represents the blood of Jesus. The way we're going to remember here in the beginning of the year is we're going to have a discussion together. So with the person next to you, we're just going to commune together over this question. Next slide. Over this question. What amazes you and gives you wonder about the good, pleasing, and perfect will of the Father? Let's bring in the new year focused on the will of the Father and how that can be lived out in his kingdom. Amen? I'm going to say a prayer and we'll be able to commune together. Father God, thank you so much for your kingdom. What a treasure it is. God, I pray this year, no matter how much we think we understand the kingdom, God, I pray that our eyes are open this year to see the value of your kingdom. And God, I pray that we can live out your will, your good, pleasing, and perfect will as we live out the life of the age to come. And that we can do this together as community, that we can do it in our family groups, that we can do it as a church. Because God, we pray this prayer, your kingdom come. And your will be done in Atlanta as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's remember Jesus by talking about the will of the Father.